Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys for a ton. Uh, it's been doing amazing. This November has just been so, so good for everything with the podcast. Make sure, if you're watching on YouTube, to leave a like. If you're not subscribed to the Clips channel already, uh, go click that link in the description and subscribe. If you want to listen on any audio platforms, those will also be linked in the description of the YouTube video. We got a lot to talk about in today's episodes. We're going to be talking about some season previews for the Atlantic Division. We're going to be talking about the Celtics trade exception and potential things they could do with that. And then we're going to talk about some NFL. Let's get right into the episode. First, I want to talk about the Celtics trade exception and what they could do with that. Uh, But I want to tell you what a trade exception is because a lot of people may not know, and even I didn't understand fully what a trade exception is, like I knew what it was from like 2K, but the definition of a trade exception is the exception allows a team to trade for any player or number of players as long as their collective incoming salary does not exceed a set amount, which is based on uh, whether if the team pays the luxury tax after the trade and the collective outgoing uh, of the pl- players the team is trading away salary. And the Celtics have now created the largest trade exception in NBA history with the Gordon Hayward sign-in trade. The trade exception is $28.5 million, so that gives them a lot of flexibility to make some very, very interesting moves. But you also should know that a trade exception Uh, With a trade exception, you cannot trade any players along with that to increase salary. So you can basically only trade picks or you could make a three team deal. uh, But you can't like they couldn't trade some young players and use that trade exception to make it 30 million. It has to be that set amount of 28.5 and some potential trades that I think the Boston Celtics should explore with that trade exception. Uh, my first one is Buddy Heald. This really all depends on the market of Buddy Heald because uh, he's clearly very frustrated with the Sacramento Kings. The whole Bogdan Bogdanovich situation was a mess because they started him, got Buddy Heald so mad, and then Uh, didn't match uh, Bogdan's contract. So that was such a weird situation. He clearly doesn't like Luke Walton as a coach for uh, him benching him and uh, him feeling like he wasn't utilized right uh, in the offense. So if he's really frustrated and the Celtics could get Buddy Heald for the low if the market for him isn't great, I think that's something they could definitely explore. Another guy who can just really shoot the ball, that offense just continues to get more and more dynamic. Another guy on the Kings I think the Celtics should look at is Harrison Barnes, someone who's definitely overpaid but can still be an impactful player at the end of the day. He's a wing who could shoot, who can play defense, has really good size. Uh, and I think could be a valuable piece off the Celtics bench. Could just be a really nice rotation player for them, uh, especially because they've uh, struggled in the last couple of years. So just having guys off the bench who can uh, shoot the ball and could come in and play impactful minutes all the time. And you could get some consistency with a guy like Harrison Barnes, even if he's never going to be a great player. Uh, another one is Victor Oladipo. This completely depends on his market because uh, I think the uh, uh, Pacers are just going to uh, keep – Victor Oladipo, especially considering I think his market's going to be very, very low. So it doesn't make sense for them to get rid of a player who does have the potential to be very good uh, for not much value. But if they are willing to, Victor Oladipo could be a player that the Celtics can go after. Because this trade exception lasts for a year. So maybe it's the halfway point of the season. The Pacers are being a little bit rocky and things aren't great with the Victor Oladipo situation. Maybe that's the time Danny Ainge swoops in, trades for Victor Oladipo while his value is super low. And maybe he thinks he can maximize him on the Boston Celtics. So that's definitely something I would go after. 
Another one is Aaron Gordon, a guy who can play that small ball five position. Uh, someone who I think uh, talent has just been kind of wasted in Orlando. It's just always never been the right fit for him. Uh, so I think with a team like the Celtics, where he would have very good coaching, where he'd have great shooting around him, so he wouldn't have to be relied on to be much of a shooter, and he could uh, basically only focus on being a really good defender, a rebounder, passer, run the floor in transition, and be a lob target, I think he would excel in that role. Uh, and if they could get a third team involved, which would give the Magic some more assets, uh, I think that'd be a really good trade for the uh, Boston Celtics, and that'd be definitely someone I'd target. Uh, next, I got a guy who's definitely not making that much money, but I think Larry Nance uh, Jr. would be a really good thing for the Celtics to go after. He's a 4-5 who can run the floor very well, who can rebound, who's a very solid defender. Uh, just overall, pretty smart player, and I think uh, it would be well worth it for the Celtics to trade for someone like him. He's someone I've honestly wanted the Celtics to trade for for a long time now, so getting a guy like Larry Nance Jr. I think would definitely be a good move for the Boston Celtics. Uh, next, I got Otto Porter Jr. Uh, he's on an expiring contract, so maybe at the half point of the season, or even now, if uh, the Bulls really like what they see out of a guy like Chandler Hutchinson, or they really like what they see at Pat, out of Patrick Williams at the three, but their team isn't doing great, you get rid of Otto Porter Jr., maybe get a late first-round pick, uh, or maybe a couple seconds, and then that trade exception uh, the Celtics get an expiring contract at a player who can be very good, uh, excellent shooter, showed some uh, interesting ability to even create his own shot a little bit uh, late in the uh, previous season with the Bulls, not this season, but the season before that, uh, but it's definitely dealt with a lot of injuries, uh, and I think it would be... Uh, I think it'd be well worth it for the Celtics to take a swing on a guy like that. Uh, next, I also got another guy from the Bulls, Thaddeus Young. Just a super good veteran who uh, just knows what he d uh, does. He's been in the league for a long, long time now. Uh, and he's just a really solid all-around player who doesn't really excel at anything, but is a super good locker room guy, super good veteran. I'm pretty sure his uh, next year of his contract has some like weird guarantees where uh, that he's probably not going to hit, so it's not even like the Celtics would uh, lose a bunch of money. So I think that'd be well worth it to go after a guy like that, he's young for sure. Uh, next, I got Dwight Powell. This is all dependent on... Uh, what the Mavericks think about him coming off his injury uh, and how much cap flexibility they want. Because if they really want to go all in on the 2021 offseason and try and get a star, which I could definitely see them doing, they may have to get rid of a guy that they like and a guy like Dwight Powell. So if they could just get some like seconds for Dwight Powell and the Celtics use that trade exception, the Celtics get a really solid center who's great at running the floor, is a great lob target, works excellent in the pick and roll, has expanded his game to be a pretty solid shooter as well so I think uh, that'd be well worth it for them to go after a guy like Dwight Powell it's just all dependent on what direction the Mavericks want to go in it probably depends on how good he is off his uh, big Achilles injury and then if they really want to go all in on this 2021 offseason next we got Mason Plumley, a guy who's not on a very big contract on about a three-year 25 million dollar contract for the Detroit Pistons I think it uh, completely makes sense for the Celtics to get a guy like that. Super solid backup center who can rebound, uh, who is a really good passer, honestly one of the better passing bigs in the league, and just does all the traditional things that you'd want a center to do. So I think that'd be a good move for the Boston Celtics. And then for the Pistons, you get uh, an asset out of a player you signed in this free agency, especially if they're really bad next year. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to do something like that.
Uh, next, I got P.J. Tucker. This would be all dependent on uh, the Rockets' direction and what happens next season. And if they're going to completely blow it up, getting a late first-round pick for a guy like P.J. Tucker I think would be a good move for them as he is an older player on a contract that will expire soon. Uh, and then the Celtics get a really gritty defender, excellent corner shooter, uh, and someone who I think would just bring a lot of value to that team as he could play some really good rotational minutes and just be a great vet for that team, uh, bring some value off the bench, can play that small ball five as we've seen. Not, I wouldn't have him starting at the small ball five like the Rockets did, but in uh, short spurts, especially when you're going against other teams who are running small, I think that'd be an excellent trade for the Boston Celtics to get a guy like B.J. Ducker. Uh, next, I got Derek Favors. Uh, he did just re-sign with the Utah Jazz, and this would be another thing where it depends on how the Utah Jazz are doing in the season and how uh, the players are looking for them. Like, if they really like what they've seen out of Udo Kazabuke, uh, if he's really impressing maybe in the G League or he's even playing some good rotational minutes and they're like, oh, we need to create space for this guy and it doesn't make sense to just hold on hold on to Derek Favors, then the Celtics could get a really, really solid center in Derek Favors, a guy who can shoot the ball from the mid-range a little bit, and is another guy who just does all the traditional things you'd want a center to do. Sets really good screens, is a good rim protector, rolls well to the rim, uh, and would be an excellent player for the Celtics to get. Next, I got Jeremy Grant. Uh, he is a player on a bigger contract and on a bit of a longer-term contract, so it definitely hurt the Celtics' uh, cap space in the long term. But if you could get a guy like Jeremy Grant, who is a really good defender, runs the floor well, uh, three ball has gone a lot better, can even create off the dribble here and there, I think that'd be really, really nice. And uh, this would just be the Pistons trying to stack as many uh, assets as they can because they could probably get a first or two out of the Boston Celtics, especially considering those picks are going to be late. Uh, no matter what you think about the Boston Celtics, they're always going to be a very, very solid regular season team. Uh, and I think it'd be well worth it on both sides to make a trade like that. Um, next and last, I got Clint Capella. This is another situational one where if Onyeka Kongwu is really impressing, which I think he will, I'm a huge Onyeka Kongwu fan. I think he's going to be great, uh, and they want to give him that full role of being the starting center, uh, which I could definitely see. Uh, it makes sense to get rid of a pretty uh, replaceable guy in Clint Capella. You open up a little bit more cap flexibility for yourself after uh, signing some big contracts, so I think it'd um, makes sense on both sides. It's just all dependent on how good Nyeka Kongu is as a rookie. Uh, and I definitely like the idea of that. So yeah, that's been my potential trades uh, and things that this else could do with their huge $28.5 million trade exception. Now getting into some season previews. First, starting off with my Boston Celtics. Uh, for my starting lineup, I have Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jason... Uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Daniel Tice. Basically the same starting lineup, except you're putting in uh, Mark Smart and then you're moving Jalen uh, Brown down to that three. I think that's going to be an excellent lineup. Uh, you got... You got, honestly, four very good defenders, though Daniel Tice can be outmatched uh, with uh, size sometimes. He is, at the end of the day, still a very solid defender who's super smart on that side of the ball, a good shot blocker. Uh, and then that wing defense of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum is going to make some teams struggle. Those are all uh, three guys who can be 
all the all defense type of guys at certain points and then you have Kemba Walker your shot creator your uh, big time scorer we're definitely hoping that Kemba Walker can stay healthy because that was a big issue for him last year and it killed a lot of the momentum he had because I feel like a lot of people forget he was excellent in the first like two months of the season he was shooting like 10 threes a game and 40 percent closing out games for the Celtics team so hopefully we can see that Kemba Walker back and I think that's one of the biggest deals for the uh, Boston Celtics is if Kemba Walker can stay healthy for them uh, this year but I think that's a really solid starting lineup and it's definitely going to win a lot of games in the Eastern Conference uh, for the bench I have Jeff T, Romeo Lankford, Aaron Nesmith, Grant Williams, Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams uh, you got two nice backup centers in Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams I think Tristan Thompson could play some starting minutes as well depending on injuries depending on the matchup uh, he can be a really nice backup uh, as well and then Robert Williams could come in bring some energy bring some uh, shot blocking and bring some athleticism that those other two guys don't really have Jeff Teague though being a bit of a defensive nightmare uh, can be solid on the offensive side of the ball can be a good enough score and then facilitate to your guys I think Romeo Langford's in for a very solid season next year uh, he dealt with a ton of injuries in his rookie season and it wasn't even like it was a big injury that's like super worrying. It was like it was like he had a sprained wrist. He like hurt his ankles a couple times. He was sent down to the G League, but he showed some intriguing skills when he did play for the Celtics. A guy who can uh, shoot the ball a little bit is a really good slasher to the basket, and was a very very impressive defender. I was uh, really blown away by his defense when he would have the chance, uh, and he stepped up and played in some key moments in some regular season games. I remember a game against the Lakers. He played some very very solid basketball basketball uh, and I think he's gonna be a very solid rotation piece for the Celtics next year you got Aaron Nesbeth who's gonna come in and his only job is to shoot the ball and play hard in the defensive on the defensive end and I think he's gonna do that very well the Celtics have needed someone for a long long time that can just come off the bench and really shoot the ball so getting someone like him I think is gonna be great for this team and I think he's gonna play impactful minutes uh, as a rookie even though this is a competitive team especially with all the extra time that these rookies have had to prepare uh, and him not being like the youngest player I think it makes a ton of sense for him to play some valuable minutes for the Celtics team and I'm really excited to see him uh, I got Grant Williams playing some good minutes as well he showed some really nice things for the Celtics last year is definitely a good locker room guy that's something he's always going to be uh, he's a really good defender as well he's just super smart on that side of the ball and he's really strong as well so he uses his body good uh, sets very good screens, uh, passes at the right time. It's just a really high IQ guy as a whole. Uh, his only question is the shot, which the shot was definitely improving towards the end of the season. He was playing some valuable minutes in playoff series for the Boston Celtics, and that shot was really coming around. Uh, he missed like 27 threes in a row to begin the season. I think he had like the most threes in a row missed in the whole NBA uh, but he really started to heat up, and it's not like he's going to be a great shooter, but as long as he can be a threat from out there and then still play the good defense that he does, maybe play some small ball five at times, I think he's going to be a super impactful player for the Celtics next year. Uh, my team MVP for them is Jason Tatum. I think he's truly going to ascend into being a superstar level player next year. We saw so many great things from him last year, both in the regular season and the playoffs. I feel like his playoff run honestly went a little bit underrated just because the Celtics didn't go super deep. Uh, but he averaged about 26, 10, and 5 uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. He was playing some truly elite defense, and I expect him to be a guy who averages like 25, 8, 
maybe four and a half, a steal and a half, a block on some really good efficiency. He's going to be hitting those really tough sidestep threes. He's going to be getting to the basket and finishing well. Uh, and he's just going to be doing kind of everything out there for the Celtics. I'm excited to see that playmaking hopefully take another step because that's uh, basically was the only weakness of his game last year is that he really wasn't a good playmaker. But in the playoffs, he showed that he can be a playmaker. So if he could be more of a facilitator, I think that uh, is going to really help him into truly being one of the top 10 players in the entire league. I'm super high on Jason Tatum going into this next season. I don't even think he's going to be just the team MVP. I think he could be legitimately in MVP conversations, not like top three, but he can be a top five MVP guy. I think Jason Tatum's in for an excellent season next year. My team defensive player of the year is Marcus Smart. He's going to be uh, that guy who's just playing super gritty is going to be willing to do anything for this Boston Celtics team uh, and is one of the best guard defenders in the entire league, and it's not even an argument. I think the only guard de- defender who's definitively better than him uh, is Ben Simmons, but him and, and like Drew Holiday are very well in that conversation for being the second-best guard defender in the entire league. Uh, he's And he's going to be so nice for the Celtics team this year. Hopefully his three-point shot can continue to get better as it has every year. Uh, He's super inconsistent. It feels like he's either the best shooter one night or the worst shooter the next. Uh, So hopefully he can just be consistently solid. But he did shoot a pretty good percentage last year. He's going to be a guy who's a playmaker as well. But obviously his most value is on the defense side of the ball. And the hustle, the effort, the leadership that he brings to this team is uh, so, so valuable. Something that really doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And honestly, as a player that, for me, for the Celtics, I would say is untouchable. I love Marcus Smart, and I love what he brings to this team. Next, my team most improved player is Grant Williams. Uh, Like I said, I'm really high on him going into this next season. I think he's going to continue to bring uh, the valuable things I did last year, being a locker room guy, being uh, really smart on the defensive side of the ball and using his body super well. Uh, And I think that three-point shot in his offense as a whole is going to come along a ton. Uh, I also was definitely thinking about putting Romeo Langford here uh, just because he didn't really get much opportunity, and he definitely could be another guy. I think both of those rookies are in for pretty good seasons next year and are going to have to play some valuable minutes because the Celtics are a team that has dealt with injuries at times, and Kemba Walker's probably going to get rested. They're going to manage his minutes with that knee, so we're probably going to see some lineups where it's Mark Smart at the 1, Romeo Langford at the 2, Jalen Brown at the 3, uh, Tatum at the 4, and then whatever center you want to run out. Uh, so definitely those guys are going to have to step up and play valuable minutes for this team. Uh, the depth is looking a lot better, and I think those guys are a big part of it. My biggest storylines around the season are, is Jason, is Jason Tatum ready to be a true number one on a championship team yet? Which I think he is, but it's definitely a question is if he can be a superstar level player yet. If he can go from being... Uh, very, very high upper echelon all-star to ascending into true superstardom. If he can continue to hit those sidestep step-back threes, if he continue to be more of a playmaker, uh, continue to play the excellent defense that he does, be a rebounder, just do honestly everything out there, maybe even improve his handle a little bit, uh, he can be a number one on a championship team. But I just don't know if he's ready for that right now. I could definitely see it coming, but... Now that's definitely a big storyline around the season. And then can having uh can not having an elite big man work in a league that is slowly the bigs are coming back. They're not the main guys in the league and 
at the end of the day, this is a, a wing-dominated league. But guys like Bam Adebayo, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid are some of the better players in the entire league. And the Celtics, especially in their conference, are going to have to go against a team like a Miami Heat, like a Philadelphia 76ers. So can having just some solid bigs who are all undersized, like I don't think a single one of the bigs that the Celtics uh, have that are going to be playing uh, big rotation minutes are over 6'10". I'm pretty sure Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson are both 6'9". I think Robert Williams might be 6'9", too. So can these undersized, just solid but not great big men work? And we saw that be exposed last year. Bam Adebayo had a ridiculous series against the Boston Celtics, and that's definitely an interesting storyline. I think it can, uh, but you're going to have to play some really good team basketball. You're going to have to be... Uh, coached very well brad stevens is going to have to drop some uh very impressive defensive schemes especially against a guy like bam and who's so versatile like obviously obviously joel Embiid is great uh, but his best ability is in the post and when you have good defenders like a marcus smart Jalen brown and jason tatum you can double at times and hide those defenders and force turnovers but uh, against a guy like Bam Adebayo, who is an improved shooter, who is killing the Celtics in the mid-range, head of the pick and roll, and is so fast, can handle the ball the way he does, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to see if uh, not having uh, an elite big can work. My expectations for the Boston Celtics is for them to be a top two to four seed in the Eastern Conference. I probably have a sh- have them finishing third behind the Miami Heat. I think they'll be a super solid regular season team. Uh, could definitely see them finishing second as well. Uh, uh, but yeah, they're just going to be a really nice regular season team. And I expect them to be a second round or conference finals exit. Uh, I think they can compete with any team uh, in the Eastern Conference for sure, but I'm just not super confident in, in them beating a team like the Miami Heat or the Milwaukee Bucks with their improved roster. It's definitely going to be an interesting season for the Celtics. I'm super excited to see what they do with that trade exception. I think that could make a big impact on this. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to see my Boston Celtics back out there. Next season preview I have is the Toronto Raptors. My projected starting lineup is Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Aaron Baines. They definitely lost a ton of depth at the big man position, losing uh, Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka, who both played super valuable minutes for them. But they did replace it with Aaron Baines, who is a pretty solid starting setter, is someone who fits the mold uh, that they did. I Really strong guy, could shoot the ball as well, could play good defense. You got your backcourt of Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, who, though both being undersized, uh, play some of the best uh, defense out of any backcourt in the entire league. Those guys just play super, super hard out there. Uh, Though Kyle Lowry is like 35 now, it seems like he just gets better every single year with age. It's really incredible, uh, the like career path of Kyle Lowry. Him being a player who was just kind of bouncing around the league and was just like a solid backup to him being one of the best point guards in the league and being a a top 25 player for me. I I really like Kyle Lowry and value his game a ton. Fred Van Vliet just got paid, so he's definitely going to have some stuff to prove. I think even though uh, Kyle Lowry seems to get older with age, uh, it seems to get better with age, uh, Fred Van Vliet is going to. Uh, take that role a little bit more of being a main scorer, main facilitator, just with the age of Kyle Lowry and them paying Fred Van Vliet uh, the amount of money they did. OJ Ananobis is going to be a super solid 3 and D wing uh, who really doesn't uh, blow you away ever, but you're just like, man, I would love that player on uh, my team. Like, no team could not use an OJ Ananobi type of player. He's just so, so perfect uh, as a role player in this league. And uh, definitely it's going to have a good season for this Toronto Raptors team. And then Pascal Siakam, uh, 
is coming off a super disappointing playoff run where his uh, lack of offensive uh, skill set really exposed him. He definitely needs to improve as a shot creator uh, and needs to continue to improve as a three-point shooter. Uh, he had a super hot stretch at the beginning of the season. Like I remember, I think it was December, he had a ridiculous month where he was averaging like 28. But if you looked at his stats, they kind of continuously went down and down each month. So I'm excited to see how good Pascal Siakam is on how if he could be a true number one that's definitely something interesting about this team then off the bench uh, i've been playing a lot of guard minutes because that's uh, a lot of their depth they got malachi flynn uh late in the first round i think that's a really good pick for them a super just smart point guard who though was a later pick he's a four-year guy so i think he can come in and play immediate winning basketball for the strong raptors team he's going to run the pick and roll super well he's going to be super unselfish as a passer and he can really shoot the ball as well he actually reminds me of like a fred van vliet someone who's gritty on the defensive side of the ball works really well in the pick and roll and could shoot as well so i think he's definitely going to be getting some valuable minutes for this team uh terrence davis is also going to be playing some big minutes for them uh he's a guy who had a pretty uh impressive rookie season especially considering he he was undrafted, and I think he's just going to continue to uh, have a bigger role and play some good basketball for them as someone who could shoot the ball pretty decently, uh, a solid slasher as well, solid defender, just fits into that uh, Toronto mold very well. Uh, Norman Powell's definitely going to be playing some big minutes for them off the bench. He had like the quietest like 16 or 18 point season in NBA history it felt like he was really good for this Toronto Raptors team last year he had a month where he was averaging like 25 points he was so so good someone who is super athletic really good slasher uh, continues to improve as a three-point shooter every single year and has become really solid especially out of that corner uh, and is definitely going to be having to play some big minutes for the Raptors team Matt Thomas is just a guy who's going to come off the bench run off screens and shoot the ball very very well he shot the ball like 44 percent from three he's not going to be playing like huge minutes by any means but he's definitely going to be a valuable rotation piece uh and they're going to have to continue to use that next man up mentality with them losing talon and uh matt thomas is going to be have to be another guy who steps into that and last off the bench i uh, have chris boucher he is another guy who's really going to have to step up this year uh he's going to be that backup center behind aaron baines he's a guy who's super athletic like a ridiculous wingspan, can run the floor well, can shoot it a little bit too. Uh, and I'm excited to see him step up for sure because he's going to be one of those players who needs to step up the most. Uh, and he's going to be asked to defend some really good bigs uh, and then have to play on offense as well, play much bigger minutes than last year. So it'll be interesting to see how good he can be. Either team MVP being Kyle Lowry, though Pascal Siakam at the end of the season may end up being the best player. I just think what Kyle Lowry brings to this team is so, so valuable. He's such an excellent leader for them. Uh, he's an amazing playmaker as well. Great defender is a guy who is willing to put his body on the line, takes a ton of charges, takes like the most charges in the league. Also great shooter. Uh, had just overall had a really good season last year and then stepped up and played very well in the playoffs as well. So I think uh, even though he may not put up the best stats, he may not even be the best player by the end of the season. I think what he brings to that team is just so, so valuable that I had to put him as my MVP for them. For my defensive player of the year for them, I got OG Anunoby. He's going to be asked uh, to defend a lot of very, very good wings. Uh, he's going to be He's going to be asked to guard Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
uh, Ben Simmons, a Jimmy Butler. He's going to be asked to do a lot. Uh, and I think he could step up and do that because he's just such a solid defender. He has great length. He's pretty strong as well. He's super s- smart on that side of the ball and really competes. Uh, so he's going to be asked to uh, step up and play very, very good on that end. And I think he's going to fulfill that role for them. And my team most improved player is Chris Boucher. Uh, he's going to have to play big minutes for this Toronto Raptors team. Uh, and he's going to have to step up and play some very good basketball, especially if a guy like Aaron Baines gets injured and he has to step into that starting role of being uh, the center for them. It's going to be interesting to see how good he can be. He is a guy who has developed a lot every single year. He was in the G League developing with them uh, and just continues to get better every single year. So I think in an expanded role where he's going to be asked to do a lot more, he's going to step up and play some very good basketball for the Toronto Raptors team. And my biggest storylines around the season are, can the next man up mentality continue to work? Uh, They lost even more players in this free agency, lost some very, very valuable rotation guys for them uh, in Serge Ibaka and in Marcus Saul. So can this uh, next man up mentality that the Raptors have had basically every single year, they've kind of become like the Spurs uh, of the league now that the Spurs have kind of fallen off, where even though they never have the most talent, they're just so well coached and they have such a good culture that they step up every single year. And I'm, I'm really wondering if with this team who clearly has one of the uh, worst uh, just pots of talent that they've had in the past couple of years, can that next man up mentality continue to work and could and can they continue to be an upper echelon team in the Eastern Conference, even with a lack of good talent, a lack of talent compared to a lot of these other teams? And then my next uh, storyline is just how good is Pascal Siakam? Is he a true number one option? Uh, I think it doesn't really matter what we see in the regular season because we saw him be very, very good and look like a near number one option in the regular season. It all matters how good a basketball can Pascal Siakam play in the playoffs. Is he going to become a better shot creator? Is uh, his game going to become way less predictable because that was a big issue for them last uh, year is that he would post up, especially in that Celtics series. He was terrible in that Celtics series. It would just be so many thousands of him posting up on Jalen Brown, do a spin move, so predictable, and it would just get nowhere for them. So can he step up and play much better basketball when it comes to playoff times, when teams really have an opportunity to focus on you fully, focus on all the ins and outs of your games, and really uh, game plan for you. That'll be a super interesting storyline around this Toronto Raptors teams going into the 2021 season. My expectations for them are to be a lower-seeded playoff teams. Uh, probably around a 5-7 to seven seed is where I have them. Uh, and then to be a first-round exit, lose to just simply a better team. I think they're going to uh, be a team that fights every single night. They're not going to go out easy in a playoff series. They just have too many very solid players and then such excellent coaching with Nick Nurse at the helm uh, to be a team that goes out easy. But I just think they simply don't have the talent compared to a lot of these other teams who are really, really good in this Eastern Conference. Though the depth in the Eastern Conference isn't great, and if you look at like the bottom of the conference, it's much worse than the bottom of the conference that in the West. The East is pretty top-heavy and has some really solid teams uh, here. So I think they'll be a first-round exit, though they'll fight every single game. My next season preview is for the Philadelphia 76ers. My projected starting lineup for them is Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. I expect Ben Simmons to have a near defensive player of the year uh, type of year. He's a guy who uh, really had just by far his best defensive uh, season in the NBA. Uh, Yeah, he was so, so good last year on that side of the ball. 
uh, just competed way harder than he ever had and used that talent that we all knew he had. He's a guy who can truly guard one through five, uh, an elite perimeter defender, and can use that size that he has with him being 6'10", him being super strong as well to be a good interior defender as well. Uh, Seth Curry is a big pickup for them for sure. They absolutely needed shooting so, so desperately. So getting a guy like Seth Curry is easily one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league. Someone who can uh, shoot it off the dribble, who can uh, run off screens, who can work in the pick and roll as well. Uh, I think Ben Simmons is going to hit him uh, a ton. He's going to run a lot of uh, handoffs with Joel Embiid, which when he had uh, J.J. Redick with him was such a deadly part of their team. And it's been something that's been kind of lost these past couple of years. So getting a guy like Seth Curry is so, so big for them. And I think he's going to play a massive role for this team. You got Danny Green at the three. And though he was clowned a lot with the Lakers and he was super inconsistent as a shooter, even in the regular season, like the playoffs was obviously much worse. But in the regular season, he was pretty inconsistent as well. And he's... Uh, gonna be a guy who's on and off he's gonna have some nights where he's hot and then he's gonna have some nights where he's missing a ton of open shots at the end of the day he is a threat from out there which they are always gonna need and he is a guy who can play some very solid defense he's not the same he used to be but he could still be a solid and powerful player on getting rid of that Al Horford contract and the terrible fit he had on this team for a guy like Danny Green is just amazing for them. Daryl Morey uh, did such a good job of turning around this team so quickly. You got Tobias Harris at the four, playing his much more natural role instead of playing the three. Uh, he's going to be asked to be their probably main shot creator. Hopefully he can step up in that. He was not good at all in that Boston Celtics series. But I don't really blame him for that. Without uh, basically any playmaking with Ben Simmons being injured, he was asked to be like a main playmaker, and it was just ugly. So hopefully he's just asked to do what he uh, does, which is uh, score in the mid-range area. He's great at that. And be a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Uh, though he's overpaid and that contract is terrible, he's never uh, going to match that contract uh, with his production. As long as he can be a solid player, he's going to be uh, impactful for this team. And then at the five, you got Joel Embiid, one of the best players uh, in the entire league. Definitely needs to stay in shape. That's been by far the biggest issue in these past couple of years. It's not even the injuries. It's just he'll have a half where he's absolutely dominating. But because he's not in the best shape by any means, uh, He'll have like a second half where he's just super disappointing. He's really not that impactful on the game. And we saw that a lot in the Boston Celtics series where he'd have a dominant first half. And then maybe he'd put up some points in garbage time in the second half. But that would be it. He was uh, really disappointing in that series. So hopefully we can see uh, Joel Embiid go back to uh, what he was a couple of years ago where he was a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, while also being a super efficient 27 to 28 point scorer. Uh, off the bench, you got Tyrese Maxey, uh, a rookie who's going to be a very big uh, spark plug off the bench for them. It probably isn't going to play massive minutes just because he's a rookie. He's inexperienced, and this team is trying to win games. But he's definitely going to play some minutes as a guy who can uh, shoot it very well, who can play defense too, uh, and can be a really good uh, two-guard next to Ben Simmons. He's definitely going to need another playmaker alongside him as uh, that's just not his role at all. Uh, but I think with Ben Simmons alongside him, that's going to be a really good fit. Uh, and though he may not be great this year, he's a great future piece for them, and I love that pick. Uh, you got Shake Milton, a guy who can uh, play both guard positions, but I think excels uh, the best at the two. Is a guy who can really shoot the ball, who can handle it a little bit too, who can play make. 
Uh, really solid piece for them off the bench. You got Furkan Korkmaz, whose only job is to shoot, and he does very, very well at that. Uh, he's definitely going to play some valuable minutes for them because they always are going to need as much shooting as they can get. So I definitely like uh, that as a depth piece for them. And then you got Matisse Thibel, one of the better defenders in the league already. Uh, that was his reputation out of college, and he completely lived up to that. Uh, he is a guy who is excellent at getting in passing lanes, really does a good job of forcing turnovers. Though he kind of did get exposed against Jason Tatum where Jason Tatum was cooking him. He's one of the top offensive players in the league, so you really can't expect a rookie to uh, be a great defender on a top uh, 12 player in the entire league. So I expect Matisse Seibel to get even better on the defensive side of the ball, shooting to become more consistent. Uh, as he was a pretty decent shooter for them last year, nothing great. But as long as he could continue to become a better shooter, he's going to play some very valuable minutes for them. And then you got Dwight Howard at the back of five, who's going to bring some really good energy off the bench for them. He's just going to be a guy who rolls to the basket. He's going to be a great lob target for guys like Ben Simmons. Uh and then he's going to play some very solid defense. And then when Joel Abid uh, is dealing with any injuries or they're resting him, uh, Dwight Howard can step into that starting five spot and play some very solid basketball for them. That was an excellent pickup in free agency. My team MVP, this is a bit of a bold opinion, but I think Ben Simmons will be the best player on the Philadelphia 76ers uh, next year. His defensive versatility is just off the charts, and he is such a good defender. Uh, probably would be top three uh, it's a top five in defensive player of the year this year. Uh, definitely going to be first team all defense. I think his offensive game is just going to continue to improve every year as he becomes more comfortable. He's always going to be a mismatch out there uh, for the other team with him being a 6'10 point guard. Uh, he's going to be running the floor, uh, uh, being a playmaker like he always has. And I think he's just in for a really good season next year with much better spacing than they've had these past couple of years. Uh and just a much better and more well-constructed roster than last year, for sure. Uh, and then with him being injured, uh, I think he's just going to come uh, out and have a really good season next year. He's also my team defensive player of the year. I've raved about his defense throughout this so much, so I'm not really going to rave about it more. But yeah, he's just an excellent defender, one of the one of the five best in the league, in my opinion. And my team most improved player is Matisse Thibel. Uh, he's going to continue to be a better defender. Uh, I think he'll step up and truly be one of the uh, top defenders in the league this year. Probably won't make like an all-defense team just because he won't really be getting the minutes. Uh, but he'll be a very, very good defender who, uh, with him and Ben Simmons out there, they're going to be locking up wings uh, in a series maybe if they were uh, put against like the Boston Celtics. Uh, if you put Ben Simmons on Jason Tatum and Matisse Thibel on Jalen Brown, that is dangerous. That is a really, really uh, good defensive tandem. And then I think his shooting will continue to improve. Uh, he really didn't even put up that many points at all last year. He averaged like 4.6 points or something like that. Uh, so I think he'll continue to get better. He's a guy who is never going to be a creator for himself. That's just not his role at all. But he's going to get open catch-and-shoot threes in the corner. He's going to run out in transition, and he's going to cut to the basket. And I think he's going to do very well at that. My biggest storylines around the season are this is the last chance for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, in my opinion. This is the last season before you have to split up the two if they disappoint yet again. Uh, I think they have one of the best rosters around them that uh, 
has been constructed. You got very good shooters. You got guys who can handle it and create for themselves. You got a different coach, which is something that I think that definitely been holding them back. Brett Brown is not a good coach at all. You get Doc Rivers, who those criticized a ton and deserves a ton of criticism for that 3-1 blown lead. At the end of the day, is a good coach. So in my opinion, this is the last chance for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as a duo. It is time for them to step up. And then my second storyline is how much of a difference does the new coach make? Uh, does Doc Rivers really make much of a difference at all, or is this going to be same old, same old with the 76ers where they have good moments and they have flashes where they show that potential, but they're never consistent enough and they disappoint us yet again. I expect them to be a top four to six team in the Eastern Conference, uh, and I expect them to be a first or second round exit. There's some just some really good teams at the Eastern Conference, so if they were like the four seed and they went against the Milwaukee Bucks, that's a that's some tough competition. If they were even three seed, uh, or or all the way the six seed, and they faced a team like the Heat or the Celtics, there's just a lot of tough competition in the Eastern Conference. And I just simply think a lot of these teams are better than the 76ers, but they will have a solid season. Uh, and yeah, this is probably the last chance for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as to do, in my personal opinion. Next season preview. Is the Brooklyn Nets. My starting lineup for them is Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Jared Allen. Kyrie Irving, uh, definitely you got to hope he's healthy going into the season because he's a player who's consistently dealt with injuries. It's not like he had a terrible injury like Kevin Durant did with the torn Achilles, but he had that shoulder injury last year. He's dealt with injuries in both knees throughout his career, and that's always scary. Uh, when a star player who put a lot of load on him uh, is getting so many injuries like Kyrie Irving does. But at the end of the day, when he's healthy, when he's out there, he's one of the most skilled offensive players that the game has ever seen. He can finish with both hands better uh, than basically anyone in the league. His ball handling ability, we all know, is ridiculous, and he's the best ball handler of all time. Uh, he's a ridiculous shooter, which honestly I feel like goes a little bit underrated, just like how good of a shooter he is. He's been a consistent around 40% three-point shooter. He's killer in the mid-range. Like, he does everything you want on the offensive side of the ball. Truly a special talent out there. You just got to hope he can stay healthy and hope he isn't a bad locker room presence this year. Karis LeVert, super solid player, uh, though I do think he's starting to be a little bit overrated by a lot of people, especially when, like, the James Harden uh, trade rumors were coming up with the Brooklyn Nets. Like, you weren't going to get James Harden with Karis LeVert being the main piece, but he's a super solid player who is another guy who's dealt with injuries throughout his career. Uh, but when he's out there, a very solid score. Definitely needs to continue to improve his three-point shot, especially uh, off the catch-and-shoot, as that's uh, not something he excels at, and he's going to need to uh, with a team like this where he's not going to have the ball in his hand that much. But uh, he can definitely create for himself very, very well. Uh, is a good mid-range scoot. Uh, shooter is good at attacking the basket and with a completely depleted Brooklyn Nets team where a lot of people didn't go to the bubble last year we saw some playmaking from him that we definitely uh, just hadn't seen yet uh, and if that's another facet of his game that he can pull out I think that he can be even more of a valuable player for them at the three I have them uh, running Joe Harris out there just got a big contract for them five years 75 million but I think it's well worth it even though you may be like that's a lot of money for a guy who's just mainly a shooter he's one of the best shooters in the entire league so it's worth it and you need guys like that next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving who aren't going to be mad at all when they don't touch the ball for a couple possessions because they know when they touch the ball 
they're going to hit that shot. He's going to be running off a ton of screens. I think Steve Nash is going to be able to use him very creatively, uh, getting him open. I think he's going to be so valuable for this team next year. Uh, definitely a big piece for them. At the four, Kevin Durant. Uh, super interested to see how he comes off this injury. Obviously, the Achilles injury is one of the most terrifying injuries in all the basketball. Has hurt so many careers. And even though it's not like Kevin Durant is a guy who relies on his athleticism, that still is a worrying thing. A guy like Wesley Matthews never relied on athleticism, but he had an Achilles injury, and he's never been the same player. It's just such a bad injury for any player to get. And it definitely sucks seeing one of the top three players in the world get it. So I'm really interested to see how he'll come back. I'm honestly more wor worried about him on the defensive side of the ball than anything because that's going to be the part of him that's hurt the most uh, with this injury is because uh, he was a very solid defender, especially with the Golden State Warriors. He had a season where he was like a defensive player of the year candidate where he was blocking shots, playing great perimeter defense. And with a team that already lacks on the defense side of the ball, he's going to need to step up. He's one of their best wing defenders. And that definitely scares me a ton. But I think he's still going to be uh, one of the best offensive players in the league. He's uh, arguably the best scorer of all time, not like volume-wise or uh, statistically, but just how efficient he does it and how easily he does it. It's so effortless for him out there. He's a 6'11 dude who can handle the ball like a guard and can shoot over everyone, can literally do everything on the offense side of the ball. Just worried about him on defense for sure. And then you get Jared Allen, just a super solid center. Definitely hope they start him over DeAndre Jordan because even though uh, like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have that relationship with DeAndre Jordan, at the end of the day, Jared Allen is the better player. He's basically just a better version of DeAndre Jordan. Super athletic. He's going to be running the floor very well. Uh, he's going to be catching lobs. Um, and He's going to be playing some very good defense. He's going to have to step up a ton as a rim protector, uh, especially with the poor defensive pieces on this team. Uh, and yeah, he's going to have to play some very, very good basketball for them. Off the bench, I have them running uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Landry Shamit, Bruce Brown, Torian Prince, Jeff Green, and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is just going to be a super solid scorer off that bench. I expect him to be around an 18-point-per-game uh, score. Uh, solid but not great shooter. He's just uh, kind of decent from there. Is pretty good as a catch-and-shoot guy. I think he's, we're going to see a lot of minutes where he's next uh, to Kyrie Irving. Very good defender as well. Uses his 6'6 frame. Uh, to his advantage, I think he's going to be one of the top candidates, uh, maybe even the top candidate for six man of the year. He's going to be playing some super valuable minutes when Kyrie Irving is either resting or is maybe dealing with some knick-knack injuries here and there. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to immediately come into that role and play some super solid basketball. Spencer Dinwiddie is just such a nice player. We saw him when Kevin when uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were both out last year, be the Nets' best player and be very, very good. Uh, Landry Shamit had pr a pretty disappointing season uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers last year. Was in a way smaller role than he had been in uh, previous seasons where uh, in that series against the Golden State Warriors where he went to six, he was a huge part of that. He was great in that series. So I definitely expect him to get some more minutes with this Brooklyn Nets team. He's just another guy in the uh, Joe Harris vein who's just going to run off screens and shoot the ball, and he's going to do it very effectively. So I think that was a great pickup for them. You get Bruce Brown, a really good defender, uh, honestly one of the 
uh, honestly an elite like a defensive guard. Can also play make as well. Averaged about four assists for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, and even though he's probably not going to be playing some like massive rotation minutes, I definitely think he's going to be uh, a valuable player on this team. And that was a really good trade for them to trade a player who didn't even play. And then I think they had to trade a second to get a player who could actually play rotation minutes. I like that a lot. Torian Prince is coming off a pretty down season where he was super inefficient for them last year. Shot like 30 uh, 7% from the field and 33% from three. Definitely think he'll be a lot better uh, coming into this next season. He's going to have to step up on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to be one of their better wing defenders, which is pretty scary. Um, and as long as his shot is hitting, I think he'll be a really solid just 3 and D guy for them. Uh, I like off this bench that there's a lot of guys who really just don't need the ball at all because you have your two ball-dominant stars and then guys like Harris Sliver and Spencer Dinwiddie who also need the ball. You get a lot of nice role players off this bench. Uh, Jeff Green, them signing him for the minimum contract, I think was excellent. Uh, he was a player who actually played some very good basketball uh, for uh, the Houston Rockets last year. He played some small ball five. He played that four as well. And he was a really good shooter, even though he's like the most inconsistent player in NBA history. He actually was uh, consistently pretty good uh, last year for a good stretch. So I think he's going to be very good for this Brooklyn Nets team uh, this year. I think that's a super underrated free act. Uh, free agency acquisition and i definitely like him off the bench and then deandre jordan is uh, gonna be uh playing basically the exact same role as jared allen he's not nearly as good on the defensive side of the ball i think he's pretty overrated uh but he's still a solid player at the end of the day who's gonna catch lobs gonna set really good screens and roll to the basket well my team mvp for them is kevin durant though i am worried about how good he'll be off the injury at the end of the day he's such a talented player that even if he's 15 percent worse he's still gonna be a top 10 player in the entire league that's just how good kevin durant is uh, and i think we'll probably see a lot of resting from both of the stars so i'm not really gonna take that away from either of them but yeah i think kevin durant's gonna be great next year uh, and he's gonna be one of the best scorers in the league yet again like he has his entire career my team defense player of the year is Jared Allen. He's going to need to step up and be a great rim protector for them. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of guys blowing uh, by these poor wing defenders that they do have. So he's going to need to step up in that role. And I think he will. He's a just super solid player who does everything that you'd want a center to do. Uh, and I really, really uh, like him a lot. My team most improved player uh, is Landry Shamit. I Like I said, he had a pretty disappointing season with the Los Angeles Clippers last year. But I think he's probably going to be in a bit of a bigger role. Uh, and I think he's just going to play better. He was getting really inconsistent minutes. And I, I think that was the thing that led to inconsistent performances from him. But I really like Landry Shamit and just think he's a super solid player. My biggest storylines around the season, there's definitely a lot for... Uh, with this team. They're one of the most confusing teams in the entire league, but it's how good will Kevin Durant be off the injury? Uh, that's something that I really have no clue about. He could, uh, it could just be business like usual and him be a top three player in the league, but I could also see him be around like the eight range uh, and be very good, but not nearly the player we used to see out of Kevin Durant. Uh, my second storyline is can the two stars stay healthy? Kevin Durant's obviously coming off the big injury, and he's dealt with some other injuries in his career. He had that foot injury. He had, like, the strained calf before uh, the Achilles injury. And then uh, Kyrie Irving has dealt with so many injuries, knee injuries. He had the shoulder thing last year. 
always scary with me about uh, Kyrie Irving's health. And then how good of a coach is Steve Nash going to be? Uh, we really don't know anything about him as a coach. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be an offensively uh, focused coach, and they're going to be great on the offense side of the ball. But can the defense work? How good of a leader is he going to be? Because this is a lot of expectations out of him uh, for him being a first-time coach and uh, with a team that has some of the most – uh, expectations out of any team in the league has a lot of egos on that roster and it'll definitely be interesting my expectations for them is to be top three to five seed in the east i don't think they're going to go super hard in the regular season just with the injury history of those guys it makes sense for them to be uh rested for the playoffs and healthy and then i expect them to be a second round slash conference finals exit uh, i think maybe next year they could be uh, final scene but I just don't think this is the year there's going to be a, a lot of questions with this team they're going to need uh, to get their chemistry together they're going to uh, need to see how good of a coach Steve Nash is there's just so, too many questions for me to be like yes they're going to be final scene way too many questions with this team my last season preview of the episode is the New York Knicks. My projected starting lineup, I was going super back and forth on this because I could roll out a bunch of different things. But this is the one I uh, settled on was Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Alec Burks is a super solid player who has bounced a lot around the league. It's He's played for like six teams in the past three years, which has been pretty unfortunate for him. But he is a combo guard who can shoot the ball very well, uh, who can score off the dribble. Was really nice for this uh, 76ers team, especially in the playoffs when their team was super depleted. He stepped up and played some very solid basketball. Was also good with the Warriors before he joined the 76ers. It's just overall a very solid basketball player. Reggie Bullock is coming off a pretty disappointing season uh, with the New York Knicks. Like The expectations obviously weren't that high, but he, he just played uh, not great last Last year but you got to keep in mind he was dealing with uh, some injuries he came into like a training camp if I can remember correct he came into training camp overweight there was a lot of weird things last year but I think he's gonna be a super solid 3 and D guy for them which is what they need they need shooting very bad uh, as a lot of their top guys aren't great shooters yet uh, and I think he's going to play some valuable minutes for them. I got R.J. Barrett at the three, coming off a pretty poor rookie season, especially uh, efficiency-wise. But I actually like R.J. Barrett quite a lot. like him a lot a lot more than most do. I think he'd be a super solid player. I think at some point he'd be a near all-star type of guy, uh, a guy who uh, can score off the dribble very well, is a really good playmaker, uh, was very impressive on the defense side of the ball, can rebound too, can Kind of just do a bit of everything. Definitely needs to improve his three-point shots. By far the biggest weakness of his game. And that was a big part why the efficiency wasn't great. Is because he was on a team with no shooters. And he wasn't a shooter either. So he thrived at getting to the mid-range and getting to the basket. But it was really clogged up last year. I expect Julius Randle to be the starting four. I am not the biggest fan of Julius Randle's game by any means. Just because he's a player who gets out of control way too often. Turns the ball over a lot. Uh, but at the end of the day, he is an offensively skilled player who, who uh, is good in transition when he isn't being out of control. Uh, can score in the half court a little bit as well. It's probably going to be around like an 18-point-per-game score. But they definitely have the replacement behind him with Obi Toppin. So he may not play uh, big minutes this season, especially because... Uh, especially if they're like losing a lot of games, it makes sense to start the young guy. But I expect them to start the season and play some big minutes for this team, especially with that contract he's on. And then Mitchell Robinson will finally be the full-time starting center. He's been in and out of the starting lineup throughout his career so far and really hasn't played nearly as many minutes as you want him to. That's also due to his fouling issue, which is one of his 
Uh, biggest issues by far is that he fouls out of games way too often and just gets into trouble way too early. Uh, as a lot of the times he has like the Hassan Whiteside uh, syndrome of uh, going for blocks sometimes when it doesn't make sense. And he has some really exciting plays. I'm a big fan of Mitchell Robinson. I think he's a really good player, uh, especially with how young he is. But he can uh, get baited by uh, pump fakes when he's going for that big block instead of just making the right defensive play. But I think he's in for a very good season uh, this year being the starting center. He's going to run the floor super well. He's a great lob target. Had uh, the highest field goal percentage in NBA history last year, shooting 74%. Uh, hopefully he can expand his game at some point to be a shooter as that's something that's been talked about on uh, he's done that in like workouts but we haven't seen it yet and i think he's just gonna be really nice for this team next year my bench for them is alfred payton austin rivers obi top and nerland's noel and then you could uh play whatever player impresses you the most in camp impresses you the most in preseason and whoever's playing the best basketball uh, in the regular season out of dennis smith jr kevin knox emmanuel quickney uh quickly or frank nilakina i think any of them could get minutes it just all depends on how they're playing but alfred payton is a really solid point guard i did not like that they re-signed him just because he's another guy on this roster that can't shoot but he's a great playmaker really good defender uh kind of like a rajon rondo type of player uh where he isn't good at shooting, but he's really good at playmaking, good at defense, good at rebounding. Basically, everything outside of shooting, he's very, very solid at. Austin Rivers is going to be a nice scoring guard off the bench for them. Is a savvy veteran who I think will be helpful for this team. Got him on a good contract, and I think he's just going to be really solid for them. Uh, Obi Toppin is going to be a player that, as a rookie, I think can come in and immediately play some impactful basketball. He is a 22-year-old rookie, so he's m way more experienced than most of these guys. He knows his game more, uh, and though I don't think he's going to be great on the defense side of the ball, and that's definitely the biggest worry for me is him on the defense side of the ball. He's uh, got a very polished offensive game. Is super athletic, is going to be catching lobs can handle the ball a little bit and create his own shot sometimes. And he's going to be a really good player out of the pick and pop as a catch and shoot three point shooter. Uh, and then there's just a ton of questions uh, with those young players. Dennis Smith Jr. has been super disappointing so far throughout his career. Uh, pretty high pick who uh, a lot of people were mad that the New York Knicks didn't pick him. And then they ended up uh, getting him in the Chris Asperzingas trade. But he was a mess last year. He was absolutely awful. Was one of the most inefficient players in the entire league. And at a certain point just got cut out of the rotation because of how bad he was playing. Kevin Knox is another young player who's been really disappointing so far. Uh, in his career, I expected him uh, coming into the league to be a really good 3 and D wing. Uh, but the three-point shot has been pretty inconsistent. The defense isn't great. It's not terrible. It's like he's not terrible at anything, but he's just not that great. And he hasn't been that efficient overall as a player. I think he shot like 37 or 38% from the field as a whole last year. Uh, Manuel Quickly is a player that they drafted in this draft. Uh, he's definitely the young player that I like the most uh, out of these guys and that I could see uh, see getting some valuable minutes because he's a really good 3 and D guy. Uh, improved a lot in his second year at Kentucky. Uh, and he's just a, a, a pretty smart player who is going to be a good locker room presence. Seems like a super good kid. Uh, and I definitely could see him getting some minutes. And then Frank Neokina, an excellent defensive guard, but really hasn't improved uh, anything outside of uh, his defense. Like he can shoot from the corner well, but he isn't a good shooter overall. Isn't uh, a good playmaker. Isn't a good dribbler at all either. That's something that I feel like kind of goes underrated about his game. It's like how bad of a dribbler he is. And I think that's a big part of his game that he uh, holds him back is his ball handling ability. So definitely be interested to see uh, what 
uh, what one of those guys get minutes because they're going to be trying to win games with Tom Thibodeau at the helm. They're going to be trying to build the culture. So they're not just going to play these bad players uh, just because they're young and they want them to develop. Uh, these guys are all going to have to fight for their minutes. My team MVP for them is Julius Randle. I mean, they really just don't have much talent on this roster. So Julius Randle's the most solidified guy, uh, even though I think he kind of puts up empty stats. He's going to put up some solid uh, counting numbers, and he's just going to be decent for this team uh, next year. My team defensive player of the year is Mitchell Robinson. I think he's going to be blocking shots like crazy. He's going to be getting foul trouble sometimes, but hopefully with uh, a bigger role with him playing bigger minutes, he's just going to continue to be smarter. I think that just comes with time, especially he's. you got to keep in mind he was a player who didn't go to college. He just uh, stayed out of college and uh, trained and entered the NBA draft. So he definitely missed out on a lot of that uh, learning that he could have gotten in college. He missed out, and he didn't have like any leadership in his first couple of years. So it makes sense for him to make a ton of uh, young player mistakes. So hopefully he can just continue to improve that, and he can be one of the better defenders, not even just on this team, but in the entire league. And my team most improved player is RJ Barrett. I think even if his numbers don't go up like crazy, I think his efficiency is just going to look a lot better with still not great, but more shooting for sure. Uh, and then he, at the end of the day, he's a second year player. So he's going to improve. He's going to look better. Um, and I'm excited to see what we can get from RJ Barrett. Uh, my biggest storylines around the season for them is how good is RJ Barrett? Is he a player who can be an all-star or is he just going to be like, uh, I don't know, like a prime Wesley Matthews where like he's he's cool or he's going to be like a prime like Nicholas Batum where he's just like, oh, he's cool. He can be like the fourth best player maybe on a championship team, but he's nothing special. He's a replaceable player at the end of the day. Or is he like an all-star level player? Is he like a young Jimmy Butler type of player, which was like one of his comparisons uh, coming out of college? Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how good of a player RJ Barrett is. And I'm excited for his future. I hope he has a good season next year. And then my other uh, storyline is, will one of the young players finally break out and look good? Will uh, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, or Frank Nielakina finally show that potential that is inside of them and that they were drafted for but just hasn't been shown at all this year? That'll definitely be an interesting uh, storyline for this season. My expectations for them is to be one of the five worst teams in the entire league, but they're going to be a team that's gritty, that's working hard on the defensive side of the ball, and they're going to be focusing on player development and trying to build a culture in New York. And honestly, I think that's good for them. Uh, it doesn't make sense for them to try and be like a great team yet because they they just don't have the talent of that. But if they can build a co culture and compete in games, then I think it would be good for them. I'm going to take a break, and I'll, I'll be right back to talk about NFL. Okay, I'm back to talk about NFL Week 12. First, starting off with Chiefs and Buccaneers. This was a very, very fun game. The Chiefs did end up winning 27-24, to Patrick Mahomes absolutely just dominated this game he is this year's mvp there's no other way he's not and in my opinion he is the greatest singular talent that the nfl has ever seen he made so many just ridiculous throws that only him and maybe even a prime aaron Rodgers can make uh, he had 462 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He also had an absolutely beautiful run where he faked a pitch, got 17 on a third down. He just does so many things that are truly incredible. I love watching Patrick Mahomes so much. It's just an absolute spectacle. And then Tyree Kill had an absolutely ridiculous game. I mean, the first quarter, he had over 200 yards and two touchdowns already. He's just truly unguardable because... He 
obviously we all know about his ridiculous speed, but every single year he continues to sharpen up his route running, uh, and he's just so, so good. One of the top receivers in the NFL easily, uh, and yeah, he had a truly just a legendary game. 269 yards, three touchdowns, dominated. And then Travis Kelsey is quietly having one of the greatest tight end seasons of all time. Like, he's probably going to reclaim his record of having the most receiving yards uh, for a tight end in a single season in NFL history, which uh, George Kittle actually topped last year. Uh, he had the record previously. He's been absolutely amazing this year. I'm pretty sure he's, uh, at least last time I uh, saw, he was top five in receiving yards uh, at the tight end position, which is just ridiculous. He He's having a really, really good year. On uh, gone pretty under the radar their defense though not being great they made they stepped up made some timely plays and did a good job of pressuring brady they didn't get like a ton of sacks or anything as brady was doing a good job of getting rid of the ball but they were getting after him uh putting pressure in his face and making it difficult for him which you always like to see uh the chiefs team just looked excellent this game offense did slow down uh quite a lot in the second half but it was so so good in the first on yeah they looked great uh, on the Buccaneer side, Brady did look solid, didn't look uh, great though. He's still having his moments that he's had throughout this entire year basically, where he's either uh, missing a throw that he shouldn't have, or not seeming to be on the same page as his receivers. I think uh, this team has definitely been hit a lot by the shortened offseason, as Tom Brady uh, isn't on the same page as his receivers all the time, and he doesn't seem uh, to have fully adapted to the system yet. Uh, Gronk looked great this game, had a vintage Gronk game, uh, and is, he's just continuing to get better and better each game, and he could be pretty dangerous by playoff time. Uh, he looked very bad to begin the season, and I got very worried when O.J. Howard got injured, but he just needed to get his rhythm back. He had six receptions for 106 yards, had a uh, pretty big play. He was just really good this game. Chris Godwin absolutely needs to be fully healthy for them to succeed. He was great in this one, had eight receptions for 97 yards. Him and Tom Brady seem to have pretty good chemistry, and whenever he's healthy, this offense just looks so much smoother. On uh, Brady and Mike Evans continue to have like zero chemistry outside of the red zone, and then they become absolutely lethal. Mike Evans is having such a weird season statistically where he has a ridiculous amount of touchdowns, but it's like... He won't get that many yards every game. This this one, he had three receptions for 50 yards and two touchdowns. It's just always in that always in that red zone. Uh, Mike Evans and Tom Brady become absolutely deadly, and he uses that size so perfectly to just dominate his uh, corners. I would love to see, and I think Ronald Jones must become more involved uh, if they truly want to contend. Because when they get this running game going, the offense is way more deadly and dynamic. But Bruce Arians just seems so insistent on having Tom Brady continue to pass deep, which just hasn't been effective, and he's not good at. Uh, his arm isn't great anymore by any means, so I don't understand why we keep having him throwing deep. Like They have great deep ball receivers, and you can do that sometimes, and the deep uh, passing would be much more effective if you got Ronald Jones involved more. Uh, he only had nine carries this game, but he had 66 yards. He was uh, very, very solid. He also had a receiving touchdown, and 
uh, at 37 yards receiving. I just think they need to get Ronald Jones more involved, and that could really help them a lot because when they're running the ball effectively, everything just runs so much smoother. They look like such a better team. Uh, they've continuously just kind of ignored Ronald Jones, who's been really good this season. So that's very, very confusing for me. Uh, and I think Bruce Arians' ego and pride is really getting in the way of this team's success. He's continuously calling out Tom Brady uh, and not taking responsibility for issues that are his fault. Like, uh, Tom Brady has to be hitting some of these throws better, but you also got to put your players in the position to succeed, which they're simply not. Uh, the defense was definitely much better in the second half uh, as they doubled team Tyree Kill a lot, made it a main focus for them to uh, stop Tyree Kill as best as they can. They were able to only uh, limit the Chiefs to seven points, which was really, really good and definitely helped put them back in the game. So I want to see Ronald Jones get more involved. I want to see Bruce Arians be a better play caller. Uh, and I, uh, this Buccaneers team continues to be inconsistent. They're a team that has potential, and I think any week they could beat any team in the NFL, but they're also super inconsistent. Uh, penalties continue to hurt them, uh, and I'm I'm just not that confident in this team uh, as a whole. Next, talking about uh, Titans versus Colts, we saw a diamond, a <laughs> diamond, dominant Titans performance in this one. Uh, they were just so so good. Derrick Henry killed it. When he gets to the second level of the defense, there's just absolutely no way to stop him. He becomes impossible to tackle. He had 27 carries for 178 yards, three touchdowns, average 6.6 per carry. Uh, you really saw the impact of not having DeForest Buckner there because uh, the defensive line was not able to get to him at all. And uh, Derrick Henry just took full advantage, was running over that secondary uh, like crazy. He's just such a special player, man. I, I love watching Derrick Henry so much. He really carried uh, this team in this one. Uh, and then, like I said, Colts missed into Forrest Buckner. Showed how big of a piece he is. Because uh, uh, when he's healthy, they've been the third best run, uh, run defense this entire season. But with him being on the COVID-19 reserve list, uh, they got absolutely dominated in this one. A.J. Brown is just such a beast. I've loved watching him this season. It's been an absolute pleasure. He had four receptions for 98 yards at a touchdown. That uh, touchdown that he did have was a massive one where he just outran everyone. He showed off that electric speed that he has. And I love when this uh, offense, uh, the running game, is super effective because it really unlocks uh, Ryan Tannehill into being an elite uh, quarterback because you – uh, can run play action so effectively. I loved when they were on the goal line and they ran that read option play. That was such a deadly play right there. That was some beautiful football from them. And it's like, uh, obviously, as a defense, you're going to commit to Derrick Henry on uh, the goal line. Like, you absolutely have to. You have no other choice. And it just gave Ryan Tannehill an easy touchdown. I think it uh, unlocks the creativity of their play calling so much. And this offense was absolutely ridiculous this game. I mean, 45 points. They controlled the clock super well. Uh, they just played nearly perfect football. As long as Ryan Tannehill's not asked to do too much, he's a really good quarterback. And then, obviously, Derrick Henry's just a beast, and they have a great number one receiver in A.J. Brown. Nothing but praise for them coming out of this game. Uh, I mean, the Colts were uh, just not that good this game at all. Uh, Phillip Rivers were, was decent but not great. 24 completions on 42 attempts, 295 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. I did like to see when they needed a more mobile quarterback, they got Jacoby Brissett involved. I think that was some really good play calling from them there. 
he uh, actually had two rush, rushing touchdowns, which was uh, cool to see. I, I loved that a ton. That was uh, some good play calling from them there. They just need to get healthy, need to get uh, their defensive tackle back because he's such a big part of that defense. Uh, and, yeah, th- this was a big loss for the Indianapolis Colts as these are two division rivals. They beat the Titans earlier this year. So if they were able to beat the Titans again, I think that would have proved uh, that the Colts were the best team in the division. They probably would have been able to get the best record in the division. I think this would be a really exciting playoff matchup between these two teams. They're pretty evenly matched. They're not similar by any means. This Colts are a more defensive-oriented team with just uh, solid offense that uh, does well enough. And then the Titans are an offensive powerhouse with a pretty poor defense. Uh, so I think it'd be a really fun matchup. And I think, uh, like, if these teams played 100 times, I think each team would win, like, 50. They're very evenly matched. And I think it'd be a really uh, exciting playoff series. And this game was definitely exciting. Uh, Derrick Henry was the story of it all. Dominant performance from him. Next, talking about Cardinals versus Patriots. This was a very close one. And the Patriots were able to pull off the win, uh, getting to 5-6 and six now, uh, not being too far away from being 500. And the Cardinals have dropped to 6-5. and five. Uh, Kyler Murray was just decent in this one, and I'm a big fan of Kyler Murray. He's one of my favorite players in the entire NFL, but he has these games far too often where he's not bad by any means, but he's just all right. Like, he'll make some uh, special plays, and it's still exciting to watch, but he was just super underwhelming in this one, and I hope with continued growth with him just being in the NFL more uh, and being a better player each year that he could be more consistent and be just more consistently great because he was just fine in this one the offense was stalling a lot they were forced to punt three times uh, and had a turnover on downs as well Uh, the offense just really wasn't the same as it's been most of the year defense did do a pretty good job pressuring the QB and then proceeding to uh, to cause mistakes Uh, they got two interceptions uh, Zangazost missed a massive 45-yard field goal that cost them severely. Got to be better than that. Uh, no excuse for missing a field goal that's uh, 45 yards, especially in such a big moment. That's a big reason why they lost. DeAndre Hopkins had a solid game, but it wasn't anything crazy. Kenyon Drake uh, was just cool this game. Uh, did get two touchdowns, had 78 yards. Only averaged about three and a half on the ground, but not bad by any means. Uh Drake or Patrick got an interception. Marcus Goldis got an interception. Uh, Devondre Campbell was massive for them this game. He got a sack, two tackles for loss. He was really involved in playing some very good football. Uh, they got three sacks uh, on the game as a whole. It was nice to see Isaiah Simmons get involved with him uh, getting a, a sack and a tackle for loss as well. Love watching Isaiah Simmons. Uh, really exciting with all that athleticism, even though uh, technically he's still not great yet and he hasn't been super involved. Uh, with this team so far throughout his young career he does have some exciting moments and he did in this game as well uh cam newen just is simply not the answer by any means like he he was bad this game there's no excuse for it completed nine of 18 passes 84 yards two interceptions that's it that second interception was just awful completely uh inexcusable uh it was just a terrible decision bad ball as well uh, and he has far too many of those. And then with the mix of these receivers, they're just they're just bad. They get zero separation. And then Cam Newton being far from the most accurate quarterback, it's it's ugly to watch uh, quite frequently because they're not getting separation. And then even when they do get a little bit of separation, Cam Newton isn't good enough to have the super pinpoint accuracy and hit them in the perfect spot. 
And Nikhil Harry just does absolutely nothing out there. He's been such a disappointment. I tried to keep out my hope for him, but I've completely given up on him. As a first-round pick, he's just got to be better. He does nothing. He he isn't a great blocker. Like he's a fine blocker at the receiver position. Uh, he doesn't get separation at all. He does. He has good hands, but not great hands. And just been such a disappointment in his young career so far, which is tough to see because the Patriots usually don't even draft receivers that high. They usually uh, do like a receiver by committee and never have like a true number one. The last time they had a true number one receiver was Randy Moss. Uh, they've just consistently have guys that have stepped up. So you would hope with a first round pick, you'd get your number one in Nikhil Harry, but he's just not been that at all. Jacoby Myers has been solid and has been uh, the best receiver for the Patriots so far. Defense definitely looked way better, though. Uh, the defense has been pretty disappointing this year and looked really rough these past couple weeks. But their front seven uh, played much better football than it had all year. It's been a big issue for them, but they did do a good job of getting after the quarterback, got two sacks, and pressured Kyler Murray quite a lot, uh, and then did a good job of getting into the backfield when they were running. Defense is still not great by any means, but it was nice to see them step up, and they made some very, very key plays in uh, timely moments. Uh, we're able to win this game. Nick Folk got that 50-yard field goal. Uh, they marched down the field pretty well, set set them up in good position, uh, and we're able to win this football game. Honestly, as a Patriots fan, this may sound bad, but I, I was kind of hoping they lose. Like, I just don't even think they're going to make the playoffs, and even if they do, they're going to lose uh, right away. And every win we get, we're just continuing to worse, worsen this draft pick. And if we go eight and eight and don't make the playoffs, that's basically the worst uh, case scenario possible because you're not going to get a great pick, and also you're not going to make the playoffs. And again, even if you do make the playoffs, you're not really going to compete. So I just don't understand this direction uh, that the team is going in. It's really confusing me. Uh, I honestly wish they just lost this game. I wish they lost last game. Uh, and I wish they didn't keep holding on to just being a solid team because I think at the end of the day that's counterproductive uh, for their team in the uh, current circumstances that they're in. Next and last game we're going to talk about is Panthers vs. Vikings. This was a hectic and very, very exciting one. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was just pretty average this game. He He's like the most average quarterback ever. Like He had 267 yards, a touchdown and inter interception, completed 19 of 36 passes. Uh, they're definitely going to need to get a different QB, but Teddy Bridgewater is a very solid bridge QB. They will need to find, find a franchise one within the next few years, though. And though the offense isn't nearly as dynamic uh, as it could have been with Christian McCaffrey, which is very obvious because he's one of the best players in the entire NFL, uh, Mike Davis has been a pretty solid replacement. He had 15 carries for 55 yards in this one. He's just been really consistent the entire year. Uh, Robbie Anderson continues the great year that he's had. Uh, he had four receptions for 94 yards and a touchdown. And though he's somewhat uh, one-dimensional as a receiver, as he's basically only a deep threat, uh, his ability as that deep threat has been huge for this offense, and he's had such a good season. was a steal for them to get in free agency, and I definitely expect uh, him to get another contract from this team. Uh, Jeremy Chin is an absolute beast, one of the best uh, defensive rookies in the entire NFL so far. He had a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, two defensive touchdowns. He's been excellent so far for this Panthers team. Uh, definitely deserve a ton of uh, recognition and they've just been so he's just been so good this year i gotta give a ton of credit for how they've drafted these past couple of years especially on the defense side of the ball you got jeremy chin uh brian burns who i'm a big fan of Derek brown who's been really good at the that defensive 
uh, tackle position. They've just been so, so uh, solid at drafting, especially on the defense side of the ball. I think they're building something special over there in Carolina, though they're not great yet. They have a really solid receiving core with three good guys and Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore. They have Christian McCaffrey, who's incredible. They have some nice pieces on the defense side of the ball. I th- think once they get their uh, franchise quarterback and continue to just build up that talent, uh, I think they can be a really good team at one point, and they compete in every single game. There's not... Uh, a game where I just know they're going to lose. They always uh, fight and do a good job of uh, keeping it in any game. Been really impressed by the Panthers this year. Uh, but that blocked and missed field goal definitely really, really hurt uh, and was a big reason why they lost. I thought he was going to hit that. It was a pretty far one. It was a 54-yarder. But, uh, yeah, that definitely hurt for uh, the Panthers and their fans. Kirk Cousins was uh, actually very good this game. He's had a pretty underwhelming year. Uh, He had 307 yards, three touchdowns. He stepped up with Dalvin Cook not having nearly as crazy as the game as he's had uh, in most of them. And he uh, did get injured for a little bit. So it was nice to see Kirk Cousins step up and play some good football uh, when their running back wasn't being nearly as dynamic and just dominant as he has been in recent times. Uh, Justin Jefferson is just such a beast as a rookie. He's having an incredible year. He's been so electric. That second uh, touchdown he had was a beautiful route ran by him and then a great fight to get to the end zone. He just does everything you want at the wide receiver position. Uh, was such a great pickup by them. And then the ball was just pretty evenly distributed. Bissy Johnson had a good game, had seven receptions for 74 yards. Kyle Rudolph had seven receptions for 68 yards. Chad Beebe had seven receptions for 63 yards and the game-winning touchdown. Uh, overall, they just did a very good job of evenly uh, spreading out the ball. Turnovers definitely did hurt them uh, as they had uh, three fumbles that were lost. The muff punt almost uh, cost them very bad, but their defense stepped up and played some good football. Uh and held them to a field goal, which was such a massive play for them uh, to hold them down to a field goal. But that definitely hurt with the two touchdowns that Jeremy Chin got, and they easily could have got another touchdown after the muff, uh, after the muffed uh, pun. Uh, but their defense again stepped up, played some good football. Uh, uh, Eric Kendricks had an interception. Uh, they didn't do a great job of getting after the quarterback by any means. Uh, they didn't get a single sack, but they uh, did a, at least a good enough job of pressuring it. Uh, him and making it hard for Teddy Ridgewater on they ended up winning this very close game the Minnesota Vikings are a solid team Uh, they could be like a wild card team if they continue to play their cards right Uh, that loss last week definitely hurt their chances a ton I thought if they won last uh, week they could have really been a team that was uh, firmly in the playoff race but they could still fight and uh, win uh, and get into the playoffs at some point that has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast I hope you enjoyed it's been Michael peace out